Arizona's sports station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. It is the Rundown, April 28th edition. I'm your host, Luke Lipinski, Michaela Perkins, producing as always. We're going to get into football here in just a second because, of course, we are coming off the uh, the big NFL draft weekend. There were a couple days into this week already, but so many ramifications for the Cardinals. Uh, so we'll get into that in just a second. But we have to start with baseball because it is sounding, and I don't want to get too optimistic here or, or too far ahead of ourselves, but it is sounding more and more like that might be our first sport back. Uh, there's a few different big names within the uh, the baseball media community. Ken Rosenthal, uh, Bob Nightingale, certainly, discussing an idea that is being discussed at the highest levels of Major League Baseball that we may see baseball again by late June, early July at the latest. And it's possible, and I'm mainly looking at uh, at Bob Nightingale's story from today, right now. It's possible that... Such a season would have to start in Arizona or part of that plan that was spread out over Arizona, Texas, and Florida. There's a lot of details that are not solidified here yet, and obviously the plan itself is not solidified. It's entirely possible that we don't have baseball. But this is the the first real optimism I feel like we've had about baseball coming back in the foreseeable future. Like I know a couple weeks ago, we had the whole Jeff Passan report, uh, the, the Phoenix plan, essentially, where maybe they would play their entire season here. And that was some optimism, especially here. But even though this this story that has come out here in the last 24 hours or so, even though this story is, is certainly not concrete or definitive or anything like that, there seems to be a little bit more to this one. And even if it did have to start, spread out among Phoenix and then somewhere in Texas and Florida as well, or even if they just put them all in, in Phoenix to start off the uh, the season. This plan is based on Major League Baseball splitting into three divisions, 10 teams each, just for this season, obviously. And teams would get to play in their own stadiums, which I know is a big deal to a lot of people. It's not as big of a deal to me, and it's not because the games would be played in Phoenix if they were all in one place. I just think this is such a strange time that we're all living in right now that if the option is, hey, all the teams play in one city, same with the NBA. If they could all play in Vegas and play out the season safely, I'm all for it. So if if the only way they could have baseball this season is for everybody to play in Phoenix, or if it's Florida or Texas or wherever, I mean, we all know Phoenix would be the best answer for baseball. But if that's the only way for it to be done then do it. But if it's not, and you actually can play in your home stadiums, I get why it's important to players. They want to be able to be around their families. I'm not trying to undersell that. I'm just saying, these are extreme times. And if the options are, hey, everybody plays in one city, or we don't have a season, well, these players are going to lose a lot of money too. Everybody's losing money already. But this particular plan has teams playing in their own stadiums, in their own cities. Not every Major League Baseball player in isolation together, but rather spread out across the country, no fans. And the reason you split into three 10-team divisions is to minimize travel. If you want to take it a step further, if this plan is the one that they are able to go with, A, that's baseball in about two months. All things considered, not that bad. 
No fans in the stands. I don't care. I mean, I do big picture. Don't get me wrong. Fans in the stands are, are a huge part of the game. Maybe not even as much in baseball as, as the other sports, but still, it's big. It's huge, obviously. We don't live in a perfect world right now. So if you're telling me I can have baseball without fans in the stands, but we can all watch it and listen to it, I'm in. I think most people are in. I don't think that's like a hot take. But if you want to take it that one step further and, and start to look at, hey, what division would the Diamondbacks be in? Well, they would be in the Houston Astros division, almost certainly. Right? You're just going to combine the NL West and the AL West, I would think. Why complicate things if you're just trying to go geographical with it? So something to think about. Uh, we'll hear more about this certainly in the coming days and weeks if it is a legitimate possibility. And so hopefully we do hear a lot more about it. But uh, felt like it was at least important to lead the show off with that because that is a an encouraging sign that we might be getting a sport back here within the next couple months. Over to football. The Arizona Cardinals. I put out the, uh, the question on Twitter today just wanted to get some some reaction from you guys of, of of what your expectations are for this season i was talking to wolf yesterday and then i i, I heard him on uh, on doug and wolf this morning bringing it up too and i don't want to put words in his mouth but essentially he said he expects eight wins minimum and i gotta be honest i'm on the same page now look, anything can happen. You can have injuries. <laughs> Might not have a season if it's a if it's a twelve game season or something. Then eight wins, obviously. That I, I'm going to lower the bar. But if we're going to make predictions, we have to assume there is a season and it's sixteen games. The schedule is supposed to come out next week. If it does, then obviously you can make a a more educated guess, still guess, at what their record might be. But for right now, I'm just looking at where they were last year. 5-10-1, but in a lot of those losses. And the tie, obviously. Now, I mean, some of their wins were very close, too. They could have gone the other way. But we talked about this yesterday. All you can do in the offseason is make your team better on paper. They are a team last year that went 5-10-1. The tie messes everything up. So let's just say that was a very winnable game. I think if they play that game again in Week 9 instead of Week 1 when everything was new for the Cardinals, remember how just inept they were in the first half of that game? I think if they play that, that game in Week 9, the Cardinals win it. I'm not saying they should have won six games last year. I'm just saying for the, the purposes of evaluation right now, let's look at it as if they won six games last year. Kyler Murray coming back for year two. Cliff Kingsbury coming back for year two. Vance Joseph coming back for year two. Some continuity at key positions. You've got the running back situation. It's sorted out for at least this year. Fitz is back. You add DeAndre Hopkins. You don't have the distraction of David Johnson. I don't want to pin that on David Johnson because I actually now looking back last year, all things considered, he really minimized the distraction he could have been in that locker room. I mean, let's be honest here. We were all frustrated with him last year because he wasn't running well, and they paid him a lot of money. And when last season ended, I think a lot of us still thought he was going to be back this year, or they were at least going to have to eat a lot of that money. David Johnson could have been a much bigger distraction last year, and he wasn't. But either way, if he had to come back this year, knowing that they didn't want him, nothing against him personally, but it sure didn't seem like they trusted him in, in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, that would have been a distraction. So you look at all these different things that the Cardinals have done to make their team better this offseason. Yeah, they should win two more games. I think they've caught the Rams. I really do. If you look at the four teams in this division, 
You've got San Francisco that was in the Super Bowl last year. And you've got the Rams that were in the Super Bowl the year before. And Seattle's always a contender. So it's an uphill battle for the Cardinals. Nobody denies that. But the Rams, if anything, are trending down. I think Seattle's pretty even. I don't know if they're necessarily trending up or down. They've got Russell Wilson, so you can never count them out. They've got a good team. But the Cardinals are clearly trending up. It's possible San Francisco is still trending up a little bit, if anything, because that's still a, a, a relatively young team. And they addressed two pretty big needs, or as big of needs as you can have in the Super Bowl, or after going to the Super Bowl, in the first round of the draft. But I expect the Cardinals to finish ahead of the Rams. I do. And I think they're right there. They can they can fight with the Seahawks. How about this from Kyle Brandt today, talking about just the makeup of this Cardinals team now with their additions in the offseason and, and the moves they made, the good moves they made last year. The players dig that. Isaiah Simmons, freshly after being drafted, was in the draft-a-thon and talked about his reaction to Cliff and the picture and how his, his new head coach is going to be. He said, my reaction was, I want to go to my coach's house and hang out with him. And that's a guy who played with Dabo. So I think they have an intangible swagger there, and they have the talent to match it. I'm going to take a shot on the Cardinals. I just like it. Talent on talent and a lot of attitude coming in this season. I think this team's going to be good. I really do. And, and maybe it's not this year. I mean, if they go out there and go 8-8 eight and eight this year, that's not really good on a national level. It's improvement for here. And, I, I you know, they go 8-8 eight and eight this year, I'm not going to be upset. Anything less than that, though, assuming everybody stays healthy, it's going to be a little bit disappointing. But when I say I think this team's going to be good, I'm looking like two or three years down the line. Because now you've got your quarterback for the future. And and Kyle, Kyler Murray did everything you could have asked of him last year. You figure he's going to take a, another step forward this season. And you've given him the pieces to do it now, too. You got better in the draft. We never know how much better until you actually see these guys develop and play. I get that. Nobody's Nobody's lying to themselves here and just saying Isaiah Simmons is automatically a Hall of Famer. But he should be an impact player on this defense. And this defense needed some impact players last season. They had Chandler Jones. They didn't have a ton other than that, though. Vance Joseph, today, talking about what Isaiah Simmons can do for this defense. I mean, he's played outside backer. He's played inside backer. He's played a little bit of corner and safety. You know, so obviously, I mean, he's, he's a guy that can solve problems for us. And with his speed and length, he can be an eraser when bad plays happen. You know, the more speed you have, the more guys who, who can erase bad plays for you on Sundays, it's always uh, important pieces. Second time somebody from the Cardinals has called Isaiah Simmons the eraser. I hope that nickname sticks past the offseason. You know what I mean? Like if he goes out there and earns it as a rookie or his first couple years, that, that's, a, that's a cool nickname for a defensive player, especially one right in the middle of the defense. Like you didn't draft a guy that you're only going to see on a few plays a game. Isaiah Simmons is going to be right in the heart of the field on most plays. Speaking of Simmons, he was asked how quickly he can impact this defense. I feel like I, I can go in and compete with anybody. It's just a mentality I have regardless if I can or not. So I'm always going to feel as if I can compete with any and everybody on that field. And secondly, I just want to be an immediate impact on whatever whatever my, my role and my, my responsibility is. I just want to be an immediate impact. 
Back to Vance Joseph, who has a new toy to play with on this defense, but he's got to make sure he uses it the right way because Isaiah Simmons gives you options. He'll be a linebacker, a linebacker and a dime in our sub package, but we drafted this guy because of what we saw him do at Clemson. So the things he did there, you know, he's going to do for us also, you know, as far as covering tight ends. And again, he's going to be a problem solver. So obviously each game plan is different. And um, as, as problems uh, come along and he can solve them for us. I mean, he would he would definitely be a candidate to uh, do those things for us. Oh, we live in the uh, the, the Zoom age where all these uh, these conference calls are being done over Zoom. What he said there at the beginning and the internet clicked out for a second during the Zoom call was he's going to be the linebacker. Uh, inside linebacker is where they're going to play Isaiah Simmons. But look, he can do other things. So he certainly could do pretty much everything in college. Now, you can't expect him to step in at the NFL level and be a linebacker and a corner and a safety and deliver a pass rush. Like, that's not realistic at the NFL level. They didn't just draft Lawrence Taylor. But they got a guy that they're confident can step in at linebacker now. And as he shows that he can do other things, he gives them more flexibility within that defense to move him around. I'll go back to the argument I tried to make a couple years ago with this defense, and it fell flat on its face. But you have playmakers on this defense. Chandler Jones is a playmaker. He does it every single year. One year, he might even get voted into the top 100 players in the NFL, seeing as how he's probably one of the five best defenders in the NFL. It's ridiculous every year. I'm assuming he gets voted into the top 100 this year. Buda Baker, I know he's had his ups and downs. He got better as last year went on. Patrick Peterson in the past has certainly been a playmaker. But there's three guys right there, and now you throw Isaiah Simmons in there as well. Maybe premature, because he's a rookie. But that's four guys with the ability to make big plays on defense. At least the upside to do it. We've seen Patrick Peterson do it. You know Chandler Jones is going to do it. I mean, he's like the master of the strip sack at this point. And Buda Baker makes plays. Isaiah Simmons, whether he does it this year, consistently or not pretty confident he's going to do it at some point in his career you just need a defense that is competent which I think this defense is with the ability to swing some games by forcing a turnover huge sack something like that you know what I mean that's all you need when you have an offense that has the potential to be as explosive as the Cardinals offense is one more from uh, Isaiah Simmons why did he pick the number 48 when I was talking about, I was actually talking to my brother, like, what number should I get? I got, you know, just a few options. And 48, um, something I learned just the more and more I'm learning about Arizona day by day is it's the 48th state. So um, there's some there's some significance right there. But personal significance, there's not really much there. I've always been, like, a really low number. But I feel like I was going to look good. So that's really great. I like it. I like it. Embrace it. Isaiah Simmons reading up on some Arizona history. And then also he thinks he's just going to look good in it. Whatever. Number 48 works for me. That's the player that a lot, I think the vast majority of Cardinals fans, wanted the Cardinals to get in this draft. And the fact that they were able to do it on top of all the other stuff that has gone their way this offseason. It's, 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 it's a difficult feeling to describe because this is a, a great time to be a Cardinals fan and a great time to get excited about this team within the world of sports, right? 
but it's hard to get real excited about anything right now until we know we have sports back and we know you know the, the, the rest of the world's going to get back to normal. So you sort of have tempered expectations because you can only get so invested in sports right now. But when we get football back, this Cardinals team is going to be one to get excited about. Uh, like I said, I threw the question out there. What do you expect from the Cardinals this season? Here's a few responses. You can always tweet into the show at Rundown987, even if it's not in response to a question we ask. You can just throw some comments out there, and we'll uh, we'll try to work them in throughout the show. Tyler says eight to ten wins and competitive in the losses. I think that's um, I think that's fair. I, I, that's about where I am. I'm going to be upset if they if they win less than eight. I don't expect them to win more than ten, but I do expect them to be competitive. In most of their losses, every team has a bad game or two over the course of the year that just gets away from them. But I think this Cardinals team should should expect their floor to be right around 500, and anything you can do above that, I think is still a little ahead of the curve if you can do it this year. Steven says, 8-8 eight eight or better would be great. Division's still tough, and it's not easy to put it all together so quickly. Upside for more, but I, I still really think they are a season away from true contention. Yeah, the division is it, the division being tough is certainly an obstacle. And we know from year to year in the NFL things can change in a big way, but this division's been tough now for a couple years and really the team that wasn't tough in this division was the Cardinals. And so if they're going to get better, it's going to be an even more difficult division to navigate. British Simmons Gang says 500 minimum. Daniel writes back 9 and 7 or 10 and 6. Gabriel writes in Super Bowl. Okay, LOL, joking. Playoffs, I hope. Yeah. I don't know about the Super Bowl this year, but again, I'll go back to this. What's exciting about this Cardinals team is the way it is built now. You may have to wait through a 500 season this year. Okay, that's fine. I mean, it's possible they go 7-9. and nine. That's Maybe they go 9-7. and seven. Maybe they go 10-6. and six. The long-term ceiling for this team, though, if you're just talking about long-term ceilings, talking about what team you want to be a fan of, if somebody came down and said, you pick a team right now, and you have to be a fan of that team for the next five years. Some of this, is, for some of you, this is easy. You're diehard Cardinals fans, or you're, you're a diehard fan of another team. You don't switch teams. Some people switch teams. But if somebody said, you have to pick a team for the next five years, and you wanted to pick a team that's going to be exciting and have a chance to really do some damage... The Cardinals wouldn't be your first pick. I mean, you're going to pick the Chiefs. They just won the Super Bowl, and they are the bar for excitement that every every team in the NFL is measured against. But when you start to look at just at, at ceilings that a team has in the next five years, I'm going to take the Cardinals ceiling over a, a pretty good chunk of the league at this point. There are some teams that are just locked into mediocre quarterbacks that, that really have no ceiling. No, like, you know what their ceiling is. There are some teams that don't even have a quarterback yet. We've gone down that path before. So, like I said, this is a it's, a it's a good time to be a Cardinals fan. AJC writes in, honestly, they should be able to fight for a playoff spot this year. I think fighting for the division will be the way to go. Jesse Arrington writes in, 10 wins, wild card. Ooh, 10 wins better. Nah, 10 wins will only get you a wild card in this division. That's a good call. David, compete for the division title, at least a wild card playoff berth. B. Will. More competitive, 9-10 to 10 wins. It's a small sample of Cardinals fans right there. But I'm, I'm guessing that reflects what a lot of you expect from this team. 
And that's a pretty good indicator that the, the, the level of expectations have been raised considerably for this team since Week 17 last year. What were your expectations for this team in 2020 when the final whistle sounded on the 2019 season? Week 17 wraps up. You knew for a few weeks you weren't making the playoffs. I mean, most Cardinals fans knew all season they weren't going to make the playoffs last year. There were some reasons to be cautiously optimistic at the end of the year. But you get DeAndre Hopkins, you have the draft that the Cardinals were able to have, you get rid of David Johnson's contract and that potential distraction there, and all of a sudden, the bar is, is, is raised, and it should be. And so now, we're like I said yesterday, we're going to see how this team responds to expectations. You never know how a team's going to respond until they actually have to do it. But I'm pretty confident Kyler Murray's going to respond well, I feel like when Kyler Murray starts to win in the NFL, he's going to keep winning. That's what I think. It was, you could tell he was frustrated last year because he's just not used to losing. But I like the way he handled it. Never heard him throw a teammate under the bus. He could have been his number one overall pick. You want to talk about swag? Kyler Murray has swag. He could have been a lot more entitled than he was. Instead, I feel like he kind of quietly took his lumps knowing, hey, I'm a rookie on a team that had the first pick. We weren't going to be great this year. But I'm going to make the rest of the league pay for it down the line. That's what I expect from Kyler Murray. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be right back at it again tomorrow. Thanks to Michaela Perkins for producing. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on ArizonaSports.com.